I am sure that the past couple of weeks with events in our country and around the world have maybe caused you to be a little concerned and perhaps upset with some of the shootings, uh, the violence, the attacks, the anger of people. And we hear calls for change because we're uncertain about what lies ahead, what's down the road. But exactly what should that change look like? If the events that are happening in our country around the world haven't really affected you, no doubt there have been some things in your life, some issues with people that have come up that have made you wonder what is the road down ahead going to be like. And you recognize there may need to be some change. Because it's true that even in our own relationships there can be some trouble, some tension. And we wonder what things will be like. When we get hurt, it's hard sometimes to patch up those relationships and heal them. What can we do? Well, Jesus told a, a life story, a parable, about those things. And in that story, he gets us to focus on what kind of change needs to take place. We're going to hear that story today. It's the story he tells about two debts that had been canceled. And with that story, he teaches us about forgiving others. Let's listen to his story and the situation that brought that story up as Luke records it for us in chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Then Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has 
poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, sometimes when we see certain situations or have things happen to us, we immediately focus on the other people and expect that change needs to be made by them. But Jesus' story illustrates a truth that he mentioned in his Sermon on the Mount. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's so easy for us, isn't it, to see the faults of other people? In a marriage relationship, if the husband and wife are not getting along, it's easy to point the finger and say, well, if they would only change, if they would stop doing this or start doing that, and then we fail to recognize that maybe we have something to do in it as well. Sometimes it can be hard to forgive when we've been hurt. When things have happened to us that get us upset, it's hard for us to see what it is that I must do to repair the relationship. Well, Jesus' words were teaching us to draw a circle around ourselves and to start there. But not just to see what our own faults are, not just to see what part we have played in the disruption of a relationship, but to also see this, to remember that we have been forgiven by God. Jesus, in his story, told us what the problem is. There's a debt, something that we owe. Have you ever read the fine print on your credit card statement? <laughs> you know, those pages of little tiny print where you kind of need a magnifying glass to see it? And if it isn't the credit card statement, it might be some other agreement that you've signed. And if you're like me, you probably just pass over all that and just sign and get on with it, right? But in those statements, it tells you maybe about what you're supposed to do and maybe what kind of penalties will be enacted if you don't do it. Well, we kind of ignore that stuff. Well, that's just a little stuff. No big deal. Well, we don't have to just look at the fine print of our lives. Look at the big print. Look at what God says about what we owe him according to the big Ten Commandments that talk about our relationship with him, our relationship with others. It describes what we need to do and what we haven't do in regard to thoughts, attitudes, actions, words. When we read the large print, we recognize we have a debt, 
sins to God. But it doesn't mean we ignore that fine print either. The little stuff, we don't just brush it off. Because that too is something, a debt that we owe. And, and that's what Jesus was experiencing in, in this story, in this situation where he's at this dinner. And in comes this woman. And everybody knew about her. Oh, she had a reputation in town. She was one of those street walkers. And Simon in his heart is thinking, how could Jesus allow that woman to be around him? You see, he saw the big print, the large print. But Jesus wanted to point out to him something else, the fine print. You see, Simon, too, was a sinner. Maybe this woman's sins were so obvious to everybody, and maybe nobody saw what was wrong with Simon, you know, because he was one of those Pharisees, someone who lived a really good life thought they were really good and right with God because of it. But there was pride there. He's comparing himself, this woman with himself, and seeing himself as better. Now Simon had sins too, and that's where Jesus tells this story then about debts. About the two men who owe money. One a huge amount, and the other a smaller amount. But Jesus said, neither of them could pay it back. So what did that moneylender do? He just canceled the debt. Jesus is reminding us, whether you read the fine print or the large print, you all have a debt to God. But Jesus also speaks words of promise to us. When he said that, that money lender would just simply cancel the debt. He's reminding us about the promise God made about our debt. From Isaiah, God said, come now, let's settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, in, in, in business or accounting terms today, we, we use those, I, that, that color red to indicate somebody's in debt, right? Oh, this company's in the red, meaning they have a debt. And that's what God was speaking of here when he spoke of scarlet and crimson. Our account to him is all red. The Apostle Paul, however, picked up on that color and what God did in Jesus to show how the red is taken care of. In Ephesians, Paul said, in him, that is in Christ, we have redemption. We've been purchased back. We've been bought out of debt through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Our red sins have been erased by the red blood of Jesus. Jesus paid that price that releases us from the debt that's owed to God. He paid it for the sins of the whole world. 
Paul describes that too with these words from 2 Corinthians. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That reconciling was a, an accounting term. It meant balancing the books, so to speak. Not counting people's sins against them. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only was the penalty of our sins paid by Jesus, but what we also owe to God, a perfect obedience, was paid for us by Jesus too. With his life, he fulfilled, he paid that debt. With his death, he paid the penalty. And with his resurrection, he declares what he said to this woman, you are forgiven. God's promise is simply, your sins have been removed and replaced with the righteousness of Jesus. I read a story recently about a, a man from 1830 who committed the crime of stealing somebody else's mail. Now at that time, that crime was punishable by death. After a few years in prison, President Andrew Jackson issued a pardon for that man. He wouldn't have to pay the penalty of death. But the man refused that pardon. The officials were a little uh, baffled. Well, what do we do? So they took it to the Supreme Court. And the Chief Justice said this, that pardon is just a piece of paper. Its value is only appreciated when one accepts it. So if he doesn't accept the pardon, hang him. But Andrew Jackson had issued a pardon. Andrew Jackson, he's the guy in our $20 bills. You know how easy it is to get those out of the ATM? I know, that's my monthly allowance. You know how easy it is to get that pardon from Jesus? Jesus tells us this. He said to that woman, your sins are forgiven. That was it. And others questioned, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The process by which we receive that forgiveness, that pardon, is simply to believe it. We are saved by God's grace, by what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. We receive that through faith. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection sets us free. And now trusting that, holding that, we have that pardon. So you see, Paul is simply saying, Jesus rather, is simply saying, draw a circle around yourself. Take a look at your life and realize how much you have been forgiven. Your debt has been canceled. It's what he simply declares. You're forgiven. And then he invites you to a banquet where he gives you the very thing that paid for your sins, his body and his blood, given with that bread and wine to assure you that you are pardoned. So come, Let's reason together, the Lord says. Hear what I say. Admit your sins and submit. Accept 
my grace and forgiveness. But Jesus was also reminding us of something else as he continued his conversation with Simon. That just as this woman was showing her thankfulness by washing Jesus' feet with her tears and anointing him with perfume, so we can show our thankfulness also in forgiving others. So as we remember and rejoice in the forgiveness that we have from God, let us also need to remember we need to forgive others. And that's where the conversation with Simon continues. You see, Simon had a little trouble with forgiving somebody who was so terrible. What is it that keeps us from forgiving others? Let's call them some stumbling blocks. Here are three that I could think of. First of all, hurt. When somebody has done something against us, when somebody has hurt us in some way, and we feel betrayed or, or set back or singled out, it's hard to, to then be kind to somebody. It's hard to then think of, well, I'll just forgive the person and move on. No, that hurt goes deep. And sometimes we think that just by even separating ourselves from them, we'll, we'll, we'll get back at them. Hurt keeps us from forgiving. And sometimes that hurt can turn into hate. When we've been hurt, and it really hurts, we so despise that person that we hate them. Or maybe... They have done something, and maybe it's not even been against us, but they have done something that has been so offensive and so bothersome to us that we just hate that and hate them also. And because of that hate, we don't want to forgive because we don't want to make it look like we're approving of what's been done. And all of that, I think, has its roots in self-centeredness. We're just focused on ourselves. How does this make me feel? What has it done to me? Or maybe like Simon, that self-centeredness comes from, I would never have done that. How could they do that? That's disgusting. And then we think ourselves to be better than them. All of those are stumbling blocks that keep us from doing what Jesus did, forgiving others. The cure is in that first step, remembering that you have been forgiven and that God has forgiven everyone. So then we too are to forgive. And that's the building blocks that help repair relationships and make things better. Forgiveness. It heals the hurt. King David, in one of his psalms, says... Create in me a new heart, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now he was speaking about the change that God would bring in his heart as he himself experienced that forgiveness. But I believe that that's also a change that we will experience as we forgive others. A fresh heart. David in another psalm would write, Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals 
all your diseases. David understood the power of forgiveness in somebody's life. It heals the hurt. It can also stop or halt the hate. Forgiving means throwing it away, erasing it, canceling it, not holding on to it. And when we do that, then we understand people, then we accept, then there's sympathy. That's what Paul was teaching Philemon, his friend, in the epistle lesson we heard earlier. Forgive that runaway slave and welcome him back as a brother. And finally, forgiveness is simply showing love. Paul, in his description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, said, Love keeps no record of wrongs. It forgives. Because the source is that perfect love and forgiveness of God. Remember, you've been forgiven. Forgive others. Let me ask you to look in your refrigerator for a moment. Do you have any leftovers there? You know what happens after a while with leftovers, right? They either get hard or soft and mushy or maybe start changing colors, even kind of growing things. What do you do with those leftovers? You throw them out. And you start over. You start fresh. Do you have some leftovers in your life? Some guilt? Some hurt? Some hate or resentment towards someone? It's time to throw it out. Remember that Jesus has forgiven you. And he has forgiven all people. So it's time to start fresh. Maybe we aren't personally affected by the violence and some of the anger that we hear going on in our country, but certainly I think in our life we have experienced some kind of turmoil with somebody. It's time to start fresh. Throw it out. Live fresh. Live forgiven and forgiving. Amen.